It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College Adult and Graduate Study. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Here in the KFG studios with me, no Kevin Corhorn, but my friend and colleague, CFP Josh Gregory. I'm glad to be with you, though, Mike. Hey, you know, over the years, we've been sharing often the analogy that building your retirement nest egg is like climbing a mountain. However, we're also quick to remind you that you, after you've accumulated the dollars that you need for retirement, you have to get back down that mountain. You enter into the spend-down phase or the distribution phase, and that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So, so settle in. Today on the Wise Money Show, we'll be focusing on the spend-down phase of your retirement. This is actually coming from a question from a fan of the show. And so if you have questions, please reach out to us. We'd love to talk about what you're thinking about on an upcoming episode. You can do so in a few different ways. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you find us online. Uh, You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And lastly, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, you can reach out to us that way as well. We're going to start doing more Facebook Live content and doing some questions and giving some updates that way as well. So make sure you like the page, follow us on Facebook. And lastly, yep, every episode is right there recorded on the YouTube channel. You can watch everything. You can watch us in the studio right now if you'd like. So, all right. As Josh said, as I said, launching this hour with a question from fan of the show, Barry. Barry, 65, from Granger. Here's what he asked. I'm looking at retiring later this year and wondering the best way to set up my income. My wife and I will both have Social Security, but to supplement that, should we draw from our IRAs, Roth IRAs, or other bank accounts? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. It is. We, we get it often. And so thanks for sending that in, Barry. There's tons of things to hit here. In yeah. fact, we'll probably park on this question for a while because if, you, if you're in retirement right now, you know this is a struggle. And as Josh said, um, you know, the, the analogy of climbing the mountain, I mean, that's the exciting part. Mm-hmm. No one ever starts talking about, hey, I'm going to climb down Mount Everest. <laughs> no, it's, they're talking about climbing up. But if, if there are any climbers out there listening, you know getting down is actually typically harder. I'm not yeah. a climber, but I've heard it's It's, it's more hard. dangerous. More right. accidents happen on the way down than on the way up. So yeah. there's lots to hit here. But, but first, let's specifically address your question, Barry. If you do have multiple accounts to choose from, which order, which ones do you choose first and why? Well, well, I mean, we we can work off of certain rules of thumb. I actually just yesterday met with someone who has uh, maybe the same uh, lineup of investments, money in the bank, money in an IRA, money in a Roth. And he made the comment, well, I'll probably spend my IRA money last because that has taxes uh, associated with it. Hmm. And, and I actually told him, well, you know, conventional wisdom might suggest that actually letting your Roth IRA money grow as long as possible uh, has a lot of, it's where all the magic happens because those dollars are growing tax-free. The more growth that you can accumulate in a Roth IRA that has never been taxed and never will be, um, that's, that's fantastic for either your financial life or whoever inherits any extra dollars after you're gone. Yeah, sort of 
the rule of thumb is you'd put that Roth IRA last. And not just because the only benefit with the Roth IRA is that it grows tax-free. So give that thing as much time to grow tax-free as possible. But if you're fortunate enough to live below your means and have, you know, been able to save up and you don't spend all of that money, then the people that you that you leave that money to, Roth IRA, they're not going to pay tax on it Mm -hmm. either. They're going to inherit that tax-free. There's a concept out there in the financial world called a stretch IRA. And a stretch IRA is not a special type of investment vehicle. It's more of a strategy or it's a concept where um, if you leave money to the next generation in an IRA or a Roth IRA, and they draw it out slowly over their entire lifetime, the amount of tax deferral or tax savings over your lifetime and theirs is just staggering. I mean, this is one of the ways that families can build multi-generational wealth by keeping the dollars outside of the reach of the tax man mm-hmm. for, for not just decades, but generations even. Right, right. So, uh, you know, now not everybody has this goal in life of leaving a bunch of money to their kids, right? In fact, I, I have quite often folks who say, it is not my goal, mm-hmm. intentionally not my goal to enrich my kids when I pass away. I've been blessing them during their lifetime. We've educated them. We've, we've given them a great launch and a great advantage in life. My, my objective here is not to leave a fortune behind, right? Mm-hmm. But if your kids had any kind of vote, if they were to receive an inheritance of either an IRA or a Roth IRA, they would pick the Roth, yeah, right? Yeah. Because the tax bill's already been been paid. So but, now some people are thinking about spending the Roth just to spite the kids yeah, early. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so if we've convinced you that the Roth is probably last, and mm-hmm. I would encourage you just, just – um, Avoid the urge, resist the urge that when it's time to buy that new car or something in retirement, well, I can just pull this money out of the Roth and not have to worry about the taxes. Resist that urge. But if, if the Roth is last, then where do you put that taxable account or the bank account and where do you put the IRA? Yeah. It, to me, the thing I love uh, about Barry's question is that this is a true financial planning question. You can't look at this from just one angle. This is a question that intersects your tax picture, your income situation, or your budgeting. Um, it, it obviously has investment implications because here's the reality. We are getting this wake-up call in the markets in the past few months here. The, the investment world goes up and down. Mm-hmm. There are some great times to be selling, and there are some rough times to be selling. And so not only do we need to be paying attention to which accounts you're drawing off of, Barry, but what's inside those accounts. What would you have to be liquidating in order to get the cash in your hands? That was the first thing that I was thinking. If you're looking at retiring later this year, I hope I hope that you've already set up your investments to provide that income. And I'm not just talking about you know yield. I'm talking about where you can draw money out of without having to sell when the investment when the investments might be down. That's right. right. So. so, you know, uh, one of the items on your list of resources was just money in the bank. So that's a liquid uh, resource that you can go to. You don't have to sell it at a depressed price in order to get cash in your hands. But there should be some of those types of safe investments in your IRA as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, m- money that you can tap into. We often encourage people to have m- maybe a year or two's worth of, of cash or liquid investments inside of your retirement portfolio 
And that way you can weather whatever storm is coming next. You're touching on a principle, though, that I, I, I didn't think we'd get into this early in the show, but I'm, I'm glad we are because when you're climbing that mountain, you climb it by investing into a basket, a diversified basket of risky investments that are suitable to you. And so the concept of dollar cost averaging, if you're investing every paycheck or every month a, the same dollar amount, then you're buying more shares when the price is low. So that math works in your favor. Coming down the mountain, it's the exact opposite. That's right. If you're selling directly out of that um, diversified mix of investments, a, the same amount every month so that you can get your income, that means you have to sell more shares when the price is down. And so you need to have it stratified. I agree with you, Josh. You should have one to three, actually, years of low-risk investments that you're going to be drawing off of the first part of retirement because those first three years of retirement, those are the most important investing years of your life, most likely. Yeah, they're the most vulnerable ones mm-hmm. because you don't you don't have the ability to bounce back if in those early years you have big needs or big expenditures when you hit the ground running in, re- in retirement. And if you are starting to liquidate accounts at reduced uh, levels, you know, if we're in a bear market, um, the, the risk is that you basically cannibalize your portfolio in the early years and you don't have the amount of shares left to bounce back with when things do begin to recover. So you're saying that depending on the investment structure, maybe you draw out of your IRA, maybe you draw out of cash? It- I, I, I'm saying hopefully there was thoughtfulness on how your IRA was structured to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't want to look at the IRA and say, well, that's the place to go if the IRA was not structured properly and it is down in value right now. Right. So right. so think of this not just as a tax decision that you're making, it's also an investment decision. And it's really an entire financial planning decision. So there needs Absolutely. to be more to it. We're going to talk about some of that more to it. Plus, I, what if you have an HSA? What if you've been saving? What if you've been taking our advice? You've been saving up at an HSA and and just paying for medical costs out of pocket. Now you've got a retirement asset that's in an HSA. How do you structure that? And plus, how in the world do you even draw money out of your accounts? We've got a lot more to hit coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you've got a, you know, a few different accounts that make up your retirement nest egg and then you retire, how do you know which accounts to draw money out of first? There should be an order. There should be a plan to that. That's what we're talking about today. Thanks so much for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. Uh, the topic today, or at least for the first half of the show, is all centered from a question from Barry. If you have a question, reach out to us. You can do so in a few different ways. Call or text 574 2000 That's 574 
You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can listen to previous episodes right there as well as submit a question that turns into an email, comes right to me. And lastly, social media, you can submit questions on Facebook. You can submit questions through Twitter as well as our YouTube channel where you can also watch every episode. So connect with us that way. Join the conversation. All right. So we're talking about what order you should draw dollars out of. So basically what's your, well, I'll blow it up right here, Josh. What is your retirement income strategy? That's not a tax that's not just a tax question. It's not just an investment question. It's an entire financial planning question. Mm-hmm. All areas of your financial life converge into this, or at least four of yeah. them, yep. right? So it's much bigger if you're just thinking, well, I've got these couple accounts. Which ones do I draw from first? You also need to figure out how much to draw. Uh-huh. What are some of the other goals? I mean, one of the questions is, should you have cash? Should you keep an emergency fund in retirement? Or do you live on that and avoid touching the IRA? Like, so there are big financial planning implications and questions that you need to tackle here. That's exactly right. And that's why I said in, in the last segment that Barry's question is the quintessential uh, retirement or, or financial planning question because it touches so many areas of your financial life. If you make a decision looking at this question from only one angle, you may make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you make a good decision instead of a great decision. But I love all the questions that you rattled off as kind of peripheral issues related to Barry's question here. Um, you know, Barry does need to know how much can you afford to spend in retirement. And in order to know that, you have to build a retirement projection. You need to do a forecast that says, um, you know, how, how much can you afford to spend sustainably so that you don't risk running out of money too soon? Because here's the reality, Barry, you're going to live a long time in retirement. That's what I'm counting for, counting on mm-hmm. for you. Um, it, and the longer that you live, the more strain that you're going to put on those retirement resources, whether you're pulling out of an IRA or Roth IRA or bank accounts, that, that doesn't matter. It's how long will this money last? It depends on what pace you're running at in the in the spending area of your life. Yep. There are six areas. We talk about it just about every show. There's six areas to your financial life, your present financial position, protection planning, tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. And if you're if you're listening to that really quick and you could even follow what I said, you might say, well, I've got an attorney and I've got a bank uh, that I work with and I've got an insurance advisor. But do you have someone that's connecting all of those together mm-hmm. and looking at how they fit together. And that's where, where each of those six areas fit together. That's where this decision needs to be made. So let's look at the connection between uh, this investment question that, that Barry's bringing up, the taxes and spending. Because a lot of people wonder, well, do I need to have a budget in retirement? You know, budget is a dirty word in a lot of families, and you almost, some people hope that they'll get to a point in life where they're retired and they can just ignore the budget, right? But the reality is it becomes extra important when you get into retirement because you may be on a fixed income. The the longevity of your dollars, uh, we just got done talking about, is one of the most important issues. But um, I, I encourage people to get more dialed in with their spending as they're coming up on retirement, even than maybe the habits they were in during their working career. <laughs> if there was ever a time to become an expert in budgeting, this is it, at the eve of retirement. You just lost all your fans. Right? I, I know. Andrea. I'm Andrea. getting hate mail right now. <laughs> I'm going to redeem myself, I promise. Here, here's the issue. 
do you know how much of your spending is going to be steady and predictable month in and month out versus the expenses that just kind of pop up periodically, more of those lump sum expenses that that occur uh, maybe sometimes unpredictably? We call those delayed spending items when we're talking about budgeting. But here's why it matters. I, I heard someone share uh, a strategy for drawing income out in retirement that matches more of what you were used to during your working career. Some of you listening may be um, used to, hey, I've got a steady paycheck that rolls in, it covers the bills, and maybe you're able to do some long-term saving out of it. And maybe you're used to periodically getting bonuses or tax refunds or some sort of chunks of money that come in periodically. In retirement, what if you could set up your income so that you have steady paycheck money and you have bonus money? Whoa. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. Here's here's how I think of the steady paycheck money. This is stuff like Social Security pension income. Um, Maybe you have some rental real estate that is just paying steady income every month. It's predictable. might even be the same dollar amount every single month. You can plan off of it really, really well. Then, and, and maybe I'll throw annuities into that category as well. Ooh, but they, that's, a, that's a dangerous word, so it make is. sure it's, it's got to be the right type. There's, yes. a, there's a whole, whole bunch of the wrong type. That's right. A whole bunch. You're talking about creating a pension for yourself. That's right. Yes, okay. So, so annuities can sometimes get a bad rap. Uh, they are one of the most oversold investments out there. But remember, it's a tool yeah. that might make sense for you at times. I'll go so bold as to say it's a terrible investment, but it can be an awesome tool for income. Yep. So I I, I agree with that. Now, consider then the rest of your retirement nest egg. What if its job was to provide the bonuses to you when the time was right? So how do you do that? Dividends or just just you know chunk it out? Could could be dividends. It could be deciding that hey, this was a really good year in the investment world, and so I'm going to draw an extra chunk out. I'm going to bonus myself some additional money. The point though is you're, you're. setting your spending up or you're recognizing what which portion of your spending has to be dependable and predictable versus the discretionary items that maybe you can choose the timing or the magnitude of spending on certain things. Mm-hmm. Maybe that vacation to Australia, it doesn't have to be this year. What if it was two years from now when the market was roaring again? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, the point, though, is you're allowing yourself to have some kind of lumpy income to match the lumpy expenses, yep. and you have steady income to match the steady predictable expenses. That's very wise, Josh. That's that's good, and, and kind of goes right in line with, with what I was going to say. I mean, some of you right now, um, you've never retired, and so the only thing you've ever done with investing is invest and save up. So how in the world do you start pulling dollars out. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some of those fixed income, um, some of those ideas and some of those strategies here in in just a bit. But you've got hopefully a few options when it comes to just practically, how do you get money out of your accounts? A few few different options. Um, But know that IRAs, Roth IRAs, those sorts of things give you the most options. Mm -hmm. 401ks, some of you are wondering, well, what do I do with my 401k when I retire? You probably roll it over because the flexibility you have in drawing dollars out, it's it's much easier. And so you can 
pretty much set up that monthly income stream where you get a direct deposit rate out of your account once a month or twice a month. You could do it how it, where it comes out quarterly or every six months. You can have it where it comes right out of your IRA and goes and pays an, an insurance bill. You could have a checkbook against your account, or you could just take it you know, as needed, as right? needed. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. I mean, we, we have clients who use all of those examples. Mm-hmm. And, and the point is, is that when you have flexibility and you have options on how you draw off of your accounts, you get to set it up the way that fits for you. What's the pattern that makes sense based on your needs in retirement and your vision for what your retirement look like, looks like. Mm-hmm. But there again, I mean, you, you sort of need to start with the plan. And, the, and then going into that budget, right? So to, to see, all right, what is the best way? Because if your normal monthly expenses are five grand and your social security is, you know, between you and your spouse, it's going to be 3,500, then you have a consistent gap that you need to fill. So likely you should have a consistent flow of income, but it depends on your situation and your plan. We're going to talk about some high level, some more strategies like Josh was sharing about how do you do, you do fixed income and then bonus yourself a little bit. What are some other considerations? We're going to hit all of that, plus more questions coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do you set up your investments to provide lifelong retirement income and a retirement income strategy that fits with your overall financial plan, all six areas, and gives you financial peace of mind. That's what we're talking about today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory. We miss Kevin today. He'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, I want to say thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with the Wise Money Show. Thank you very much. We are still breaking down a question from Barry about, hey, I'm retiring later this year and need to kiss that paycheck goodbye. How do I start drawing money out of my investments to supplement Social Security? And that is the quintessential financial planning question. And we've just been given a few different ideas and and some context to that. So if you have any questions, reach out to us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. You can call or text online, wisemoneyradio.com, or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, to search Wise Money Radio. Okay, so you were talking about, Josh, figuring out what your in retirement, what your monthly, bu- 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 what, what, what did you say? <laughs> the B word, the yeah, budget. budget yep. um, and, you know, that, 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 uh, that discipline, that habit never really goes away. Mm-hmm. I've had so many people ask me that. When do I get to stop doing this? When's when's my finances no longer a grind? Um, uh, the same with your eating choices. The same with your, you know, with yeah. your diet. It's you know, you always got to watch it. And to to this point, I never really connected the docs until now, but as you get older, your your metabolism slows, so you need to be more and more careful about <laughs> what right. you're eating, and same thing with, with spending. So, A couple so, of middle-aged guys uh, <laughs> realizing so, that, right? Uh, so, as uh, when you're in... When you're in retirement figuring out income planning, you need to first look at 
your your budget and how much you need. But then from there, you can d- distinguish, okay, what are my normal monthly needs and solve for that? And then what are the other normal but non-monthly? Mm-hmm. And, and, and those, those are, might be wants. That's right. But those are issues that are universal because if you heard Barry's question, he's 65 years old, right on the eve of retirement, and he's trying to think through how do I spend down my resources in retirement? And, and if you're 30, you may be saying, not my problem, not my topic. Yeah. Turn the channel, whatever. No, this is your issue right now because you're getting a glimpse of what your priorities and your questions are going to be in 35 years. So, can, so are you going to be proactive exactly. and plan ahead? That's right. T- today's spending, wh- what you are thinking about spending right now is competing for the same money that tomorrow's spending could be built off of. Mm. You know, Barry built up IRAs and Roth IRAs. He has some resources. Now he has choice on how he's going to be spending it down. And anytime you have choice, you have some complexity. And so it makes sense that Barry's wondering, okay, well, now what do I do? I've built this thing. Now how do I start using it to my to my advantage? And, um, you know, there t- to me, I don't like using rules of thumb, like spend the IRA first or spend the taxable dollars first, spend the Roth money last. Often that's a pattern that we'll, we'll sometimes see, but really these are decisions that should be made in concert or in collaboration between your certified financial planner and your CPA. Right. What you draw off of. Think of these as different wells that you could go to. You could draw money up out of the well. Some of them will have tax consequences and some will be tax-free. How do you decide what ratio or what amount you're going to draw out of each well? Yep. And and having options is good, hopefully. I mean, Barry said he's got cash, he's got IRA, he's got Roth IRA. That's tax diversification. So he's got choices, he's got options. And when you have options, you need to have wisdom. All right, let's talk a little bit more about wisdom with when it comes to retirement planning. The way I see it, and this isn't a new idea to me, I, I, I saw this and was like, oh, that's very simple and very clear, very good. There's three main retirement risks. And when you're setting up your income, you need to figure out how are you solving these risks or are you just going to live with them? And the first one is inflation, mm-hmm. right? Inflation is real. It is scary to think, what will things cost in 30 years? Um, all you need to do is say, what did things cost 30 years ago? I know. I, I wish real. we had Barry on the line to ask him, hey, how much did you spend on your first house? Right. How much did you spend on your latest house? So inflation is real. And if you're going to be retired for decades, that's a big risk. Okay. So you need to have components for your investment or for your uh, retirement income that can solve that. Then the biggest risk, actually, the biggest fear for most baby boomers is longevity, outliving your income. You need to have a solution to that risk. And then the last one is market volatility. That will your income be able to stay the same if the market drops significantly? And like we talked about, when you start drawing dollars out, if the first three years of the market is down, 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 and you're drawing dollars out when it's down, 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 you're not going to have as much money to rebound when the market does. That can Those first few years of retirement are very dangerous. So those are the three big risks. And when you're setting up your retirement income, you need to figure out, how am I managing those risks? Here's good news. There's only one tool that really solves for all of them, and that's Social Security. 
Social Security does go up with inflation. I think they're lying, but it currently does. It can go up a little bit. It will last your entire life, and it stays the same even if the market drops. However, you bring Nobody up believes what you just said, though. I know. You bring those two words up together at one time, Social Security, and everyone gets upset. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets frustrated. I got the question twice yesterday before noon. Hmm. Hey, how safe is Social Security? Yeah. Right? So it's not fair, and it's not appropriate. It's not prudent. It's not wise to rely on Social Security alone because it's not even going to provide enough for you. But yes, it currently sort of does address all three. But then you've got to add an additional tool or two to each of those to address those other risks. Um, the best the best tool for addressing inflation is not real estate. You might think that, but the goal of real estate is to keep up with inflation. It's the stock market. That's mm-hmm. why when you retire, you should still be taking some risk with some of your dollars because over long periods of time, the only thing that has consistently outperformed inflation by a significant margin is the stock market. That's right. Being an owner in world-class companies. But then you, if you don't have a pension through work, you also need to consider making your own pension. And, and we've got to bring that up because that addresses two of the other issues, which is outliving your your money your assets and um what happens to your income when the markets go down what if they go down and stay down for a while um and so you've got to consider and answer for those couple risks too that's right i mean an annuity is an investment product that is issued by an insurance type company an annuity company and they are the only investment under the sun that's allowed to use the g word Mm -hmm. guaranteed they, you know, through their financial strength and stability, are promising you certain benefits. And depending on how you use an annuity, uh, the, the way that Mike is uh, suggesting is to treat it as a true income source. Yeah, when you're saying it's, you know, it, it's a type of investment, I cringe because it's not an investment. And, and certain types technically are, but I, those are, those types that are are terrible, in my opinion. It, I would think of it as an income tool. Yep. I, again, it, it's a tool. Sometimes it gets misused, and so that does make us kind of cautious at times on how we talk about these. But you use the phrase, build your own pension. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what an annuity can do. Uh, it's an alternative. And in fact, around town in recent months, there have been some pensions that have been closing up flushing money out to folks and giving them the option to go buy their own annuity and an income stream. And in fact, it said, if you don't want to take it yourself and build your own, we're giving it to this annuity. That's right. And and actually use that term. Yep. So so that that's, that's exactly right. The, the benefit of the annuity, though, is, again, depends on how you've structured it. You would not want to do this uh, by the seat of your pants here. Um, But the benefit is it could be a stream of income that you can't outlive. As long as you're alive, it keeps on rolling. Even if you live to 120 and the annuity company lost the bet, they thought you'd pass away sooner and you just kept on trucking, guess what? They keep on paying. But you lose all flexibility when you do that and you you really restrict yourself. And so you just need to be very careful. There's actually a lot of financial advisors that 
recommend these things all the time when they're not even appropriate, but you need to consider it for these risks and for retirement income. See if it fits in your situation. Another great question coming up from Susan that hits right in the middle of, all right, I'm in retirement on a fixed income. What do I do about this? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory. If you've missed anything, every episode is right there on the YouTube channel. I dare you. Go there right now and even subscribe to it. You'll get a notice every time a show is uploaded there. You can watch it. You can share it. You can submit questions right there. We'll receive it and address it on an upcoming show. Um, Also, every show is also on podcast. I know several of you listening right now are listening on podcast, whether you're at different parts of the country or that's just how you choose to listen to the content. Thank you for doing so. You can subscribe that way as well. However you listen to podcasts, just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you can also listen online, submit questions there as well, and then call or text 574-222-2000 with any questions that you have, 574-222-2000. Today's show so far, it's it lasted a little bit longer than what I expected, but it's been about retirement income, and, and I probably should have expected that because it is such an important issue that you need to address in your financial life and and a lot of people a lot of people stumble in and and get that wrong and there are consequences and and retirement just isn't quite set up the way that it should be so seek help if you don't have a certified financial planner like kevin always says run don't walk to your certified financial planner go find one and have a meeting talk through this plan it all out susan is 68 she's from south bend here's what she asked My husband and I are retired, we retired last year, and now need to buy a car. We've paid cash for vehicles for the past several years, but now in retirement, we're not sure how to do it. Is it better to get a loan, or do we pull money out of our investments, or pay cash? How do we do it? That is a great question. It is a good question. Fits right in with today's topic, too. Yep. And it's actually a topic that some people have really strong feelings about. Uh, I've, I've heard many people say, I would never, ever get a loan in retirement. Uh, just because they're, they're saying, you know, I don't want that payment. I don't want to be paying interest. Um, I feel like I've gotten to a point in life that I shouldn't need loans. I have resources. So mm-hmm. so why would you ever use a, re, uh, a loan in retirement? Sometimes it can make some sense from a tax planning standpoint. So I'm, you know, I, I, it's it's dangerous to talk and think and do math at the same time. Well, I found this it. out. Is I this the urge, Mike? Okay, I'll just try to make it simple. So <laughs> if you're in the 12% tax bracket and you go to buy a car and you need to pull more money out and it's going to be... Um, taxable and that pushes you to the 22% tax bracket what is the actual increase in cost there 10 10% 10%. and if you were to get a loan i am not suggesting this but if you were to get a loan 
that interest rate would be three, four, yeah, it five, depends on what you're buying, maybe new or be, used or could whatever. Be zero. And so if you look at if you look at just the cost, look at the cost. Interest is a cost, but tax is a cost too. Mm-hmm. And so I would just be I'd just be mindful of that. That's right. Yeah. And and tax is the one that is the hardest for people to quantify or even remember to calculate when they're thinking about buying a car. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to go spend $30,000 and the only place that you can go get resources is from your IRA, how much do you have to pull out of that IRA in order to to walk away with thirty thousand that you can use to pay pay for the car? Are you messing with me right now? I'm not I am. Doing I'm, that I'm baiting you into. <laughs> Josh, just guess. Josh has his hand out and he's kind of like I, writing on his hand. I'm no. air writing, yeah, doing the no. math. No. Um, no. The, the the point is, it's not thirty thousand. Yeah. It, what if it's forty? Yeah, it's probably forty, forty-two in that range, something like yeah. that, depending on your situation. But that's the point. It is something that is knowable, though. It's quantifiable if you run a tax projection. So when you make big decisions like drawing large amounts out of your accounts in a big chunk periodically, um, this would fall into that bonus money category that we were talking about back in the first segment, for those of you that have been listening to the whole show today. Um, so, So big chunks of money, you need to deal with what are the tax ramifications and absolutely measure twice before you cut once on that one. Um, make sure that you know what kind of a hit it's going to be because here's a potential trap for you. Be aware of this. If you are in retirement, if you are drawing Social Security, it is possible that you are not paying tax right now on all of your Social Security. You might be receiving $20,000 worth of Social Security income each year, and maybe you're only having to count five of it on the tax return. Well, guess what? That will all change if you take a major chunk out of your IRA, Mm -hmm. because that IRA will be additional income to you, and it will cause a crazy calculation to happen on your tax return that suddenly makes more of your Social Security countable. In doing so, that makes your tax pain bigger than you ever even realized. I know. I, I don't want to freak you out, but if you're in that window and you take ten grand out of your IRA additional, you've been in this rhythm and so on, you take ten grand out, you might pay tax on fifteen or seven or more because now some of your Social Security is being clawed over to the taxable side of your tax return. So you need to be careful. But I also want to tell you, we're not suggesting just blindly get a loan. And we're also not suggesting blindly drive that car until far beyond you, you know, the, the point that you should to your unsafe. You should never buy a car again. Retirement's going to be terrible. No, we are not saying any of that. Saying just make the decision in the context of your overall financial plan, especially where it comes with your taxes, what cash you have in the bank, present financial position, your investments, and retirement. I'm glad you brought up, though, the length of time that you're driving a car because Susan's 68 years old. Mm-hmm. She remembers a time when cars self-destructed at 100,000 miles. You know, you go over 100,000 and you are on borrowed time. Says says the guy who ruined, what was it, four cars in a month? Okay. <laughs> Mike, that was years ago. I'm never letting you borrow my car. Wow. <laughs> it's like been archived and it just keeps on coming up in KFG lore here. Yeah, don't. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yes, yeah, so those were company vehicles, <laughs> and uh, it was a it was a bad stretch in life. It was. Right? It was. But here's the here's the deal. I know vehicles are running much longer than you ever thought. 
and that is all makes and models. So don't just rush out and buy a new vehicle just because you think, well, I've, I'm at 100000 I I don't want to get stranded on the side of the road. I, I better be proactive. Let's just go spend the money. If now is not a great time because your investments are potentially down a bit, um, if now is not a great time because the tax hit would be too large, you might be able to buy yourself time by doing that one more repair to the vehicle or, or whatever it takes to get a little bit more life out of it and maybe start drawing some money out of the IRA over the course of a couple years to build up the cash and write a check at that time. Love, love, love that idea. Work with your certified financial planner. Hopefully, they're also working with your CPA, and they can help give you a great strategy there. Let's sneak another one in here. Ryan's 47 from Mishawaka. My wife and I are finally doing our estate plan, and we don't know who to list as the secondary decision maker on most of our documents. We'd each list each other, but then are stumped. Our oldest child is 21, and then we don't think she's mature enough and we don't have any local family members either. I think we addressed a similar we question. S- we yeah. started answering this question yeah. on a prior show, but ran out of time. Maybe yeah. we're going to run out of time again. here. But <laughs> it's an important question. And it's, it's one of the things that actually causes a lot of people to not get their estate plan finalized. They, mm-hmm. they maybe begin the process, but then they get stuck because you have to make all these decisions on who, Who's going to serve as the executor of your will? Who's going to serve as the trustee to manage money for your young kids if you were gone? Mm-hmm. Um, who, who do you trust to make medical decisions for you someday when you can't? And what I'm hearing, Ryan, is that your 21-year-old daughter isn't ready yet. Yeah. And so to, to me, as an outsider listening to your story problem here, it, it sounds like you've kind of told us the answer, that she's not ready. She might be worthy of being listed in the lineup because someday she might be ready. She might be ready two years from now for all you know. But to me, choosing someone, whether they're local or not, who you trust, who has the skill and the character to be able to um, serve the role that you're asking them to serve, that's the first priority. Geography gets subordinated to that. But just know you need to have multiple people listed in these roles because you may have selected someone who isn't prepared to to serve that role someday when the time comes. Maybe something crazy is going on in their life. You need to have backup plans in place. That's right. And also know your estate plan isn't an event it is a process, and you're going to update it a few times. So hopefully adding on to that addresses that. Thanks for the question. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory and myself and all of us on the Corhorn Financial Group team, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.